Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you tonight as we move on to part two of our preview of the 2022-23 Premier League season. Yes, we've gone through our first 10 teams of the competition in alphabetical order and now it's time for part two and we have got some big names to come for you tonight. Joining me once again as we go through to this is our chief footballing correspondent, the spicy chorizo himself, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening, Bull. Good evening, listeners. Yes, we're back again. You can't get rid of us just yet, football. We've got another preview coming your way tonight. Part two, as you mentioned, Bull, we've got, uh, you probably say, the better half of the uh, the Premier League table to come tonight. So, uh there's going to be some uh, twists and turns, that's for sure. Myself am primed and ready to deliver some uh, unusual tips that may upset some others who are joining us tonight. Oh, absolutely. There is going to be some spice delivered here tonight, indeed. And back with us tonight from YMCA New South Wales in Pimble, he is one of our favourite guests. He's back for another dig. Luke Scarley, good evening to you. Good evening, gents. Good evening, listeners. I'm so eager to get through this back end of the Premier League uh, list. The second 10 teams, as Dom said, are the better half in most people's opinions. Uh, my favourite Liverpool are in there. I'm going to be talking everyone's head off about how great they're going to be this season. Um, hopefully getting that title. Let's get stuck into it. Hang on, before we get started, Dom, have I just made another mistake from having another Liverhampton supporter on this podcast? As long as he's not as in your face as the other one that we know. Oh, the one who had the uh, cramp while doing a show. (laughs) We will never let that go, ladies and gentlemen. Because it's never not funny. No, exactly. (laughs) Well, look, I think we better get started before we all drop in a laughing fit. Yes, we've got 10 more teams to go through here tonight. So with that, before we all start cramping up in our chairs, the referee's out in the middle now, and we are set for a start. Ladies and gentlemen... This is Splinters. I'm going to kick things off here tonight with Team 11 in alphabetical order. And Dom, it is, well, we love them as as our second favorite team. They went out, they did the impossible. And just to show it wasn't a fluke, they then did the impossible again a couple of years ago. It is Leicester City. Yeah, Leicester City, um, the one team that uh, took it to the man and and, and shook up the foundations of the Premier League uh, all those years ago. Now, if you could believe it was six years ago when they when they when they triumphed uh, um, all those uh, in that season that all those years ago. Different times now for the club. Obviously, that uh, contingent. All gone, bar one, and maybe two. on his last two. fumes, to say the least. No, um, no, no, it's two. It's two, Dom, because you're forgetting the goalkeeper as well. True, but I look, I, I, 
Whilst an excellent keeper, Casper's Michael, and I'm not taking it away from him, the Everton, sorry, the Leicester captain, the fact was, though, he didn't win them that Premier League title. The likes of uh, Jamie Vardy, Mares, Ponte, Kante, yeah. hilariously Danny Drinkwater, um, those guys won them the Premier League. Actually, there was still another one in there, which I, I need to give some credit to. Uh, the ageless Mark Albrighton, who is, uh, I think, uh, a very underrated player in the Premier League. But again, different times. I apologise. There are a couple still around in the team that won them that season. Ricardo Pereira is there as well. You know, there's not the same level of quality as there used to be, and it's seen them kind of drop a little bit. A couple of seasons ago when they just missed out on Champions League football again was probably a real nail in the coffin for them. Didn't get that investment that they were probably hoping for, and they haven't really kind of addressed the squad uh, since then. But, you know, they've, they've still got a really good squad, a really good squad that can beat any of the top teams. And Luke, we can't forget that this majority of this team a couple of years ago did win the FA Cup. Yes, they did. Um, unfortunately, the ones who won them those trophies and did well for them are on the higher end of the age bracket. And the ones who are on the younger end of the age bracket are just not up to that level yet that those others were. Fafana, James Justin, they're going to be great. Indeed, he's still there. They've got Castagna back this year from their loan spell. Vardy might provide, let's say, 10 to 15 goals. The big loss, if they do lose him, will be Yuri Tillmans. I do love him at Leicester. Like you said, everyone loves Leicester as their second team. Tillmans, Harvey Barnes, they're going to be great. This year, I've got them in ninth, which is pretty similar to what they were last year where they were eighth. I do like Ricardo Pereira at the back. He's very, very, very good going forward. But someone like Johnny Evans, he's a vice captain now of the squad behind Schmeichel but um, too slow and too old for me. I've got the mid-table because I just think they're just going to be the same as last year, just repackaged with a new date on the league. Well, we did tip them around the same. You've tipped them ninth. I've tipped them eighth. Dom's tipped them tenth. So we were all around the same ballpark in that regard. Let's move on to our next team. It is Liverpool. We gave Dom the running on Aston Villa. Luke, the floor is yours. Well, what can I say? They're just that good. Um, (laughs) In saying that, I do I do try and be unbiased. I have them in second, can you believe it? And the big one I'm going with for my prediction on Liverpool, because I have heavily analysed them all off-season, just everything they're doing I'm analysing, is Darwin Nunez coming in. If he doesn't perform big in those first few games, I feel like he might slip into that Timo Werner mould. Those other Liverpool fans that I'm supposed to be friends with and I'm supposed to be rooting how great they are. He's got the body of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's got some skills. He's powerful in the air. But if he gets that attraction of missing goals and missing chances, I think the starting three is going to be Diaz, Yota, and Salah across that front. He's going to find a bit of time on the bench. And then he's not going to like that. He's going to come in miss some more goals, and he's just going to get that stigma attached to him like Werner did, who is doing some good things for Chelsea, but he just can't get rid of that that thought process from the fans. Liverpool's back line, superb as always. But if Virgil goes down, it'll be a massive loss, but there is a few in there. So Matip and Kanate could fill that void with Virgil van Dijk out for a while. 
hoping it doesn't happen, but it always maybe has a chance of happening. Sadio Mane leaving, terrible for, for us Liverpool fans, but that front three is still looking very, very solid. Diaz, I watched heaps of him at his old club. I thought he was going to be good, but he even exceeded my expectations last year. I'm waiting for him to break 15 goals this year, maybe 10 assists. The only thing that hurt them, Dom, last year, the loss of Virgil van Dijk in the middle of the park just shows how important he is to this lineup, not only in terms of his defensive prowess, but as an extra point man when Liverpool does go forward. Yeah, look, he's the world's best centre-back you know, at the moment. I mean, Koulibaly, Ramos probably rival him, but no one, I think, reads the game as well as Van Dijk does in, in, a, in a back line. I'm interested in Liverpool this year. Mane was always going to go. Either Salah or Mane was going to go, and I think, obviously, the emergence of Diaz on that left-hand side really kind of was the sort of final nail in the coffin. They now longer have to have that running battle and rivalry between Salah and Mane, which um, sometimes could, you know, boil over. But yeah, I think the big thing for Liverpool this year is, first of all, do they play Darwin up front or do they continue with Jota up there? And secondly, who, who lined, I mean, ask Luke, who lines up in that midfield for you? You know, you're obviously looking at Fabinho and, and Henderson, but, and Thiago is probably a three, but can those three, are those three maybe a bit slow and not dynamic enough for the Liverpool squad? I think Fabinho is, he's locked down. He's going to start every time he's available. Even though Hendo's our captain, and a lot of people love him, even as a Liverpool fan for me, I would actually drop Henderson. And I just play Fabinho as an anchor and Naby Keita and Thiago ahead. So they yep. just have more dynamism going forward. They've got way better skills with the ball at their feet. They can beat players. They can take players on. Uh, they've got pace, and they're willing to track back. Henderson's just that guy that's just like Fabinho. He stays in the one position, plays the ball sideways, very tidy with the ball, but... When it comes to driving into the box and supporting that front three, um, we saw it in the year when a lot of players got injured for Liverpool that there was no real oomph just going into the box. I'm taking it. I'm having a shot. It was very, very reliant on wing play, Salah Mane getting it in there. So I would definitely go with Thiago and Keita as my two in front of a Fabinho at defensive mid. I agree. No, might rile people people up. Oh, it doesn't rile me up. Trust me. Yeah, that's what I would have. (laughs) Because he got enough attack in other spots as well, and you just need those people that can get in the box and have that one anchor in front of those other two at the back. And Virgil, Canate, Fabinho as a triangle, that's solid enough to allow more expressive attacking players in the middle. People are going to be upset when I say this, but James Milner is the Michael Carrick of Sir Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson's United. I don't know how, like, he was just in the squad because he wasn't, you need a not very fancy player. It was the same with, with James Milner when he was in Mancini's Manchester City squad. You need a player in there who's probably not as the same standard, not as flashy, but will just do the job and do it effectively. Mm. That's what Jordan Henderson is. I, I think he's one of the, like, in, if you put, took him out and you put him in, let's say, a palace and expected him to then win you an extra 20 points a season, he's just not doing it. Right, he he's a very good player in a very good squad. Yep. That's how I see Jordan Henderson. And like you said, I think with that back line and with Fabinho, you could probably be a bit more expressive by putting in a cater. But I worry that Thiago won't stay fit for the season. So that's why I have you guys in third this year. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You've got him in third. Third, yes. Okay, let's just let's just back up a little bit here. 
You've <laughs> dropped that one in there, didn't in, I? You've, you've dropped that one in there. You've put them in third place. That's true. I can tell you now, the red side of Merseyside have just spat back in their coffees. It's <laughs> supposed to be a title-winning side this year. I know I had them second as well, but uh, we'll discuss City I, after. I, I don't think there's... You, are you, down? Do, do Liverpool fans seriously think this squad so far is any better than what it is than what it was last year? I thought you guys were the best team last year. I thought miles, you guys were better than Manchester City. Miles ahead of third last year. Yeah, oh, miles wow. ahead, but... This is... I think the loss of Mane is is bigger than what people think. It definitely it definitely will be. I I'm scared as well with it. Nunez is your stereotypical in your box in the box Lewandowski, Haaland, you know, Zlatan guy. Is he going to be what Mane is? I know he's not a winger, but is he better than Firmino? Questions possibly not. He's not as dynamic as Firmino. He's not as dynamic as Yota. Time will just tell what he's going to do. Is he going to bang him from the beginning? Or is he going to miss some and just get that monkey on his back and it's never going to come off? Well, let's move on to our next team before anyone's head gasket then decides to explode on us right here. I just here. also think, like, just quickly, on oh. back to Liverpool, I, just also, I, I look at the squad and it, we go back to that midfield three. Mm. What happens if Fabinho goes down? What happens if, you know, Thiago Alicantra goes down? Who are you running then? Who are Who? you running in that three? That's uh, to replace them. That's where... Yeah. You're right, you're 100% right. They just have to rely on Harvey Elliott becoming that guy. Harvey Elliott is an absolute talent and will be in the squad probably from next year onwards. I think he's still under the age of 20. Yeah. Um, And then it's Oxlade-Chamberlain, really, and that does scare me. He's also very good too. (laughs) Very solid option. But that's my concern with Liverpool, and that's why I have him in third. You've always got to take, when you put your tips in, these things into account. And you look at the sides around them, they've actually built in areas that they kind of needed some reinforcements. Now, the window's still got plenty of time before it shuts, but Liverpool haven't done that. And they don't want to have the same thing they had when they finished fourth during the lockdown season because they lost half their team for injury. What happens if it, mm. what, what happens again? What if it happens again? I don't think they have the answers like the other squads have. And that's why I'm like, well, there's a big chance of that happening with all the fixtures they have to play. They've now lost yeah. Mane as well. So what if Diaz goes down? Right, you know, yeah. or yeah. or Darwin yeah, Nunes yeah, yeah, goes yeah. down. What, what, who do you replace them with? I don't think they have the depth like the other squads do this season, unless they replace them. That's why I have them as low you know, as they are. They're not literally <laughs> low. You know, <laughs> let's let's move on to the defending champions now. It is Manchester City, managed by Pep Guardiola. Myself and Luke have put them in first. Dom, you've put them in second. And the first thing I'm going to have to say here is explain yourself. <laughs> It's, it's it's not a lack of Manchester City being worse than they were last season. I have question marks around Erling Haaland for the Premier League this year. They've played the false nine now, what, really for about two or three years. And now they're going to have to go towards a front-facing team with a number nine, and, a, and not just a number nine that, like, doesn't really hold the ball up. Like, he is out and out, in the box, predator, you know, hold the ball up take players on, can he fit into Pep Guardiola's team quick enough for him to stick with him? I imagine he would. They've spent, you know, good money on it. But he came at a relatively decent price. You know, I know they bought in Julian Alvarez, but the kid's 18. Is he really going to, you know, kick into gear straight away? I'm not so sure about that. Another big question is, for me, they lose Raheem Sterling, who really had a good season last year in City again in minimal game time than usual. Can Jack Grealish step up and be that 
replacement, which I'm assuming they're hoping he will be. And it's not that I don't think they can do it, but we'll get to the reason why a little bit later on, why I think that they're going to finish second. But they've just got some, I don't know, there's some questions to be to be answered. What do they do with Jao Cancelo? They can't have him playing in a deep-lying role anymore. He's far too creative. And, you know, I just, can they keep up with uh, some of the other squads that are going to maybe matching their level this year? And, and maybe, you know, Pep Guardiola's got to, you know, change his style a little bit to counteract that. So I think they'll just fall short this year. But that's not because I think they're going to be worse. Like, oh, they don't have the coverage, like I had said with Liverpool previously. I just think that there's a reason that I'll mention later as to why I think they finished second. There's two things that come to mind when I look at this, Luke. First off, for the first time in a, probably a very long time, Manchester City are entering this competition after making a profit on their summer transfer, which I, I'm sitting here and going mind ex, mind blown that they're actually. Well, it's about time, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, this is true. The second thing that comes to mind is that the one thing I have noticed over the years is that if they don't have a solid enough leadership in this team, they have been known to struggle. We saw it in the past when they had teams that they expected to win the premiership, but when they lost the likes of of Sergio Aguero and Vincent Kompany, they lost that leadership throughout the park, and they really did look pedestrian, even under Guardiola. The first thought that comes to mind when I look at this, who stands up as their leader? Is it De Bruyne now completely on his own? Uh, De, De Bruyne should be the guy to step up into that leadership role, but he's just not that kind of player. He doesn't have that personality from my perspective of watching him. Fernandinho, the loss of him, he was that person that was going to lead them last year. Uh, I think it was statistically when he was in the side, they performed better in their attacking positions or, or something like that where his presence made the people around him better. The ones that you're looking at in that midfield or attacking positions, Mares, Foden, Bernardo Silva, they're never going to be your leaders. The only one that I can point to just off the team sheet as it is now is Ruben Diaz. He should be the guy that's going to be calling out to everyone and pointing direction. Gundogan, he could be that person as well, but will he be in the side? Will he not be in the side? Calvin Phillips is there, even though Gundogan's better. Yes, agreed. Yeah, realistically, as Dom Dom said, Haaland he doesn't think he's going to be the top the top one as he was in uh, the the Bundesliga. I 100% agree with that. Bundesliga not known for their defending as much as the Premier League is. There's going to be much much better competition in terms of beating the line. Uh, a lot of those teams in the Bundesliga you can just trounce and just run past as it was amazing highlight packages and just bullying people in the box. He might score 20-plus, but, you know, that's probably going to be his limit, maybe 30. He could be in that Kane realm, mid-20s. And I definitely think that's going to be enough to get the job done in terms of going into first place. Because if he gets 20, Mares is, you know, still scoring a lot of goals. He probably might get near 20 as well. And then you've got Grealish, who might score 10, 15-plus as well. And then everyone else chipping in, they're still going to have enough, I reckon, to get into that first place. Defensively, they'll keep a lot of clean sheets as well, which is always a good start to get to get your team onto the right foot to win games. What's interesting here is that there are still rumours floating around with what Manchester City could do for the rest of this transfer window. The rumour is picking up Mark Cucurella from Brighton and Hove Albion 
And then the rumors of them selling off Nathan Ake to Chelsea, Alexander Zinchenko to Everton or Arsenal, and Bernardo Silva to Barcelona. Dom, which of these do you think will happen? And given that three of them are them selling players, could they have even more money to spend maybe in the winter transfer? I see all four happening. Mark Cucurella is all but signed from, from reports, and especially that Zinchenko has gone to Arsenal. That would make a lot of sense. Nathan Ake to Chelsea makes a lot of sense, as we mentioned in the uh, podcast uh, last week, that they are stretched thin at centre-back. But, I mean, the guy has barely played any first-team football. I don't know how he's managed to weasel his way into, you know, European, Europe's elite. I really don't think he's that that good. Bernardo Silva's the big one for me. Um, he last year said that he wasn't playing enough football Pep Guardiola gave him his opportunity and he proved why he should be playing more football in that squad. He was truly fantastic. He is so underrated in that squad. It's not funny. Uh, even though he's rated at the same time, it's kind of weird. They can't lose him. They lose him. They lose so much dynamic uh, ability, either in the starting squad or off the bench. Uh, he's just an absolute talent. It'd be a huge pickup for a team like Barcelona that's looking to obviously resurrect their status as a European heavyweight. Will they let him go? I'm not so sure. It, it, Silva would have to drive that, and I'm not too sure if he wants to when he's you know, already kind of playing at the one of the best clubs in the world and he's almost guaranteed to at least be playing you know, 70% of the matches. Before we throw it back to you, Anthony, yep. either, either yourself or Dom maybe could answer this. Phil Foden is Pep Guardiola's boy. That's the guy he loves. He's touted him for many years. Do you believe he is as good as he's hyped? Because I, uh, I, yes. I, I put Mason Mount on level par with him, but I never really see those comparisons. And then secondly, Bernardo Silva and Foden, which one are you going down the road of as wanting to be? If you had to sell it off like Salah Mane, who would be the one that you would say, okay, I'm giving you that big contract at the expense of the other? I think the way I answer that question is it's really tough to be a star in a Pep Guardiola side. Yeah. He, he had it with Messi. Different scenario, right? Best player of all time for, for some people. I'm just going to put that in there. I think so, but I'm just going to put for some people in case they cause a riot somewhere amongst uh, fans of his, United. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> fans of Cristiano Ronaldo. So I'll just put that little uh, tidbit in there. But it's difficult to be a star. And I think that's why I was never a massive fan of the Jack Grealish signing, because in, in Aston Villa, he was a star, and he was given the freedom to play the way that he wanted to play. But when you play in a Pep Guardiola side, you've got to play his way. It's his way or the highway. You've got to play in the team. You've got to pass the ball every you know two touches. Yep. That's why I'd take Bernardo Silva over any English player in this squad, because he can play like that. I think Foden is better than Mason Mount, because he can't express himself in the Manchester City team. Yep. Whereas sense. Mason Mount in that Chelsea team, he's treat he he gets to play as a ten, right? He gets to take players on, he gets to score freak goals from outside the box and and win games in the last minute. I mean, again, Foden is probably a little bit behind De Bruyne in that squad as well in terms of the hierarchy. Mm. Maybe once De Bruyne maybe gets to, of age and Foden will Foden will take over and become that player. But again, there's, that's why they're so good. They've got like the best players just playing the best system. But yep. it's hard to go, yeah, are they being held back somewhat because of Guardiola's? I mean, it works. You're not going to criticise it. But he, I definitely think Thurden's their man. You have to have him yeah. in the squad. 
in the starting squad, without a doubt. I mean, you've got to, I think for me, you play, now that you've got Haaland in there, you could probably go Foden, De Bruyne and Rodri in that middle three with Grealish on the left and Mares on the right. And then you, I mean, really hard to leave Silver and uh, and come to it on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> really, really hard. <laughs> it actually but hurts Pe- me to say. Pep is known for that rotation. He's going to be switching that thing up every game. And that's I don't thing. think he even knows he's eleven because he has so many good players. Yeah, exactly. He's got two. He's got two top four squads at his disposal. Let's move on to our next team. We go from the blue side to the red side. It is Manchester United. I've tipped them sixth. Luke's tipped them fifth. Dom's tipped them fourth. One thing we can tip on this team in particular, it is a club in absolute chaos, and I don't think that that is going to be finishing anytime soon, Luke. Very well said. At the back, they are shambles. They can't find any consistency. They can't defend. They can't run. Uh, they're tripping over each other. And last year they excuse had me, to excuse rely... me. No, I'm going to I'm going to stop you right there for a second. That's an insult to shambles. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me. You know it's a shambles. <laughs> they gave Phil Jones a start one week. I mean, that was the exactly. That was I've the read, fun part. I've literally read articles where and reviews of this season prior to this where people have said Phil Jones. That's right. Phil Jones, someone who you might never have heard of again, might be actually getting a game sometime at the start of the season or possibly within the season. For me, Phil Jones is a solid centre back. He's better than Harry Maguire. (laughs) I think he's better than Like for like, Harry Maguire, much bigger, much stronger, much slower. Both well past what they should be offering to the team. A reliance last year on Cristiano, that's probably not going to be happening this season by all rumours. Um, of him uh, I'm sorry, leaving. I'm sorry, who? Hang on, who? Cristiano Ronaldo. I know we just gave who? Messi a rap. We have to give Cristiano who? Ronaldo a rap as I'm well. I'm sorry, who's he? Who's he? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> at this rate, with all the rumours that are going around for Ronaldo, he might end up at Wolves with his Portuguese companions. Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. No one seems to want him. Uh, Manchester United might be stuck with him, and everything was going through him last year. And if he doesn't produce that again, if he actually stays, they're, they're going to oh. be even worse. But I do I do like some of the things they're doing. Uh, they've got a couple of left-backs now, which are good, that are very attacking. And they've obviously got a pretty good forward line that just isn't clicking. Uh, I've got them at fifth, just missing out on Champions League again. Well, I've got them at four, but I don't think it's as big as catastrophe as people make it out to be. But perhaps I've still got a little soft spot for United from my days as a supporter of the club when I was a young man watching that class of... Uh, 92 um, grow up, up and play. They've got a very strong squad. The biggest thing that obviously Eric Ten Hag has to do coming in is, well, first of all, get them playing some just better football, some attacking football. They lost to Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, and then proceeded, who was an attacking minded coach and had a brand of attacking football. And then proceeded to replace him with only defensive, pragmatic coaches until this point. They brought in David Moyes. Then they brought in Jose Mourinho. Then they brought in Louis van Gaal. Then they brought in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Then they brought in Ralph Ranić. They brought in all defensive minor coaches who didn't do anything with this squad in terms of be, like playing good football. Eric Ten Hag being a, you know a breed of Dutch total football. Uh, I think he's going to bring that back to United. I've been impressed with what they've produced so far in the preseason here in Australia. Um, but the big thing will be that they need to get Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes 
playing together and playing well. That was the big problem last year. Um, well, one of the big problems for them. There were there was three. That Harry Maguire, who was obviously not well liked at the back, and they struggled defensively, especially when Rafael Baran, who personally I think is actually quite overrated, um, and had lived off Sergio Ramos's ability at Real Madrid for years, was an issue. Then they had the issue of obviously Ronaldo and uh, Fernandez, and who was the big dog up front. Marcus Rashford never recovered from missing that penalty at the Euros uh, as well. Uh, wasn't the same player last season. And then one of the big problems that they have solved this season is they finally solved their Paul Pogba situation and they just let him go. That was the big. That's a big thing mm. for me. They never played him in the right position. He's a quality player, and they they always tried to they tried to build a team around him, but built a team around him playing in the wrong position for so many years. He always said I, when when he and his best years were at Juventus was because he sat in front of Andre Pirlo, who controlled the game, and he just ran around and did what he wanted. Like that's the kind of player that he is. They've dealt with that. They've got a young squad. You know, if Marcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho can, and Anthony Martial can run, pretty much be their new front three and be good, then they've got, I think, a really good chance of getting inside that top four and being an exciting team. What they need to do, obviously, is, I think, find a better holding midfielder to rival Fred and Scott McTominay and Donny Vanderbeek, who's come back. And they also need it, and they need another centre back. They like it's just as cover, really. Unfortunately, they're stuck with Harry Maguire being the man at the back, and maybe Varane can make him better, but it remains to be seen. But they've made some good signings. Obviously, Lissandro Martinez comes in, and Tyrell Malasia comes in from Feyenoord, and then Christian Eriksen came in on a free, as we mentioned last week. So it'll be interesting to see where he fits into the squad as well. I've got him in fourth. Uh, maybe it's uh, like sentimental, but I think that they've got a squad here that is exciting if it can be played in the right way. Very exciting young players. I will bump them up if they get off to a good start, to be honest. Um, If they can hold some goals uh, from leaking at the back going in and score some with a couple of victories and minimise their losses, they're off to a good start. They could be possibly bumped up for me as well from fifth into fourth. But right now I've got them at fifth. Let's move on to our last team before we go to our break. It is Newcastle United, managed by Eddie Howe. Dom, last year when we went through this team, we said that if they continued on the trajectory they were going, they were going to get relegated. At the same time, if the Saudi purchase happened, they opened up the checkbook, they actually went out and bought some players. We saw them finishing around the middle of the the pack. It happened, they got bought out. Eddie, Eddie Howe came in as a new manager. They finished 11th. We look like absolute rock stars. You know, we probably could get picked up by Gunther Steiner, seeing how well <laughs> we picked this one off. And um, I, I see this team going places. Yeah, look, I've got him in 11th this year. I think Eddie Howe's uh, got a decent squad. Um, Alan St. Maximan is obviously their talisman uh, out on the wing, but... They're still probably, you know, they brought in Chris Wood. I'd like to see Chris Wood uh, get up and running. I think he's a, uh, an underrated Premier League striker, the Kiwi. And if he can, you know, get some good servers, I think he can score some good goals. I mean, he was scoring 10, 12 goals for Burnley every year. So I think that there's a good chance that he could do it in a decent Newcastle team as well. They've made a brilliant signing in Nick Pope. Um, I think he's arguably England's best, as as good as Ramsdale or Pickford. Um, in, in between the sticks. Matt Target's a good option on left-back, who, who's solid, obviously got his gig uh, there after moving from Villa. 
they've spent money on Sven Botman from Lille. Um, an interesting signing, probably not one that I would have thought they would have gone with um, this part in the season. But interestingly, despite all their riches, they haven't really been linked to anybody this um, coming uh, season. So I'm thinking perhaps maybe Eddie Howe is happy with what he has and potentially wants to build on it first instead of going out and buying every player under the sun and then having the headache of trying to fix it um, and and find the best formula um, for the team, but he's got some. He's got a decent squad here. It's a it's a competitive squad. Is it a top ten squad? Yeah, possibly. He's got some players in there that can make a difference, but it doesn't seem quite making it just yet. But exciting times to be a Newcastle fan. There's no doubt about it. Even if you are a little bit filthy with the fact that you're being bought out by essentially the worst human rights nation of all time, but Regardless, the sports washing is real and they have a really good squad and an exciting future ahead. This is an interesting one here, Luke, because this is the team that there's probably the biggest divergence in terms of prediction. I've said ninth. You said, uh, Dom said 11th. You said seventh. This is probably one of the bigger jumps. Yeah, and I'm putting that down to uh, Eddie Howe as their, their coach. And I say coach because I think he's actually going to coach them to get better. He's not just going to manage them on the talent they have. He's going to make those ones who are weaker. As we've said, they don't, ha- they don't have many links to big names or people that everyone's thinking, okay, they're splashed, they're, they're lit up with cash, they've got a war chest behind them, they're going to get this, 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 and this. They haven't got those links. They've brought, brought in people on the smaller market. Um, Bruno Gimarish. Um, Target last year, Botman, people haven't really heard of him. He's a pretty good player, um, especially to add into that defensive line. Um, but it's all going to be around coaching them up and building something around um, Alan St. Maxim. He's the person who's going to have to bring them stuff. He is the same mold as Adama Traore, that silky winger with the skill moves and the pace to burn and beat people. We have seen in the past uh, Adama Traore have stints of five, six, seven, eight games where he's getting a goal, he's getting two assists, he's getting five, six, seven shots on target a game and then drop off the face of the earth. Matt St. Maxim has done the same as that. He has a spell where he's really, really good and then he just kind of falls back into the mould of old Newcastle where there's very, very little talent being shown game to game. If something can be built around him and he can be a, let's say, 50% Ratio of goals, assists, the games, not 50% of the game scoring, but contributing some kind of goal or assist on 50% of their games. Um, and then Chris Wood following on from what St. Maximum is doing. Um, I think they've got a very, very, very good upside with the squad they've got. Exciting. And I've got them seventh. So I just, I'm just caught up in the excitement of it all on those players, just the names on there and what they can, what they can offer. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got our final part of the preview for season 2022-23 of the Premier League. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? 
If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcast. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso with Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarley as we go through Part four of four. Yes, we are in the home stretch of our preview of the 2022-23 Premier League season. We're going to get straight into it. And Luke, we're going to kick things off now in this last part with one of the teams promoted into the Premier League this year. They finished fourth in the championship. They won the promotion playoff. And it has been... 23 years, yes, 23 years since we've seen them in the Premier League. It is Nottingham Forest. Yeah, 23 years, can you believe it? There's probably still a lot of Forest fans um, going around and remembering those times. Fourth in the championship last year. Doesn't spell too good for them coming up, but 
winning that playoff to get that promotion, I feel like they're going to have some kind of fight. They're going to make that home ground a fortress. Um, statistically, from the past, from what I've seen, is that those sides that know how to win when, they, when it going gets tough in those playoff games and that championship is very, very, very hard in those final stanzas. They just know how to get it done. I see them just finishing above relegation, 17th. They don't have much Premier League experience from the past in there, obviously, unless they're at other clubs. Um, and not really linked to anyone of big note, even though they do have that spending power of the money being pumped in from getting up into the promotion spot. Um, 17th is all I can go with. I don't know the side too well, so I didn't watch much of them last year, but I, I think they know how to win those tough games. And when it gets to the back end of the Premier League season, where every game is a must win, it's just going to have that muscle memory, remembering how to win the playoffs from the previous year, and they will just stay up for my liking. Dom, there are two names that actually do stick out in terms of signings. One of them is Wayne Hennessy, who's been brought over from Burnley going down. The other one, and this could be an abs- this is come as an absolute surprise to everyone involved. Dean Henderson on loan from Manchester United. We know how good this goalkeeper is. Uh, good two signings, good Premier League quality. I, I question why they got two keepers. That didn't make much sense. Their squad is in desperate need of some reinforcements, um, to say the least. But, uh, you know, you look at this squad and, you know, they've, they've got some household names in here if you're, if you're a big English football fan uh, like myself. And I think that they'll stay in the league this year. I've got them in 16th purely because I think it's their – they're going to start really well. I think they're just going to have so much momentum going into the season with their return, similar to Brentford last year. And then maybe they might have that battle towards the back end of the season and they might just hang on because I do truly believe that Leeds, Bournemouth and Fulham will be worse. They've got, some, like I mentioned, some household names in there. Lewis Graban has been um, a championship um, performer uh, for a number of seasons. Jack Colback is back. He's played in the Premier League before. They've got Steve Cook, the former Bournemouth defender who's played in uh, the Premier League. Uh, Joe Lolly finally gets his uh, promotion into the Premier League. He's been at Nottingham and around that team for a long time. So they've got some players in here who can uh, definitely um, battle with the best, but they're going to need some more reinforcements, I think, just, just to get themselves, you know... Uh, they need some competition for places, obviously. And if you can kind of maybe spice up the squad a little bit, that might be something that's really important to them. But it's going to be a battle for them regardless if they don't invest into the squad. We've got the names there right now. Is there any of those that, from both of you, name one from each of them that you think, if the rumour comes true, would actually fit in perfectly for them? For me, I've got number one on the list, Tavernier. He provides good stuff for Middlesbrough. Um, he's probably a, one of the better players that could fit directly into their side and actually provide them with something they might need. Um, obviously, it's going to be forward, back, forward, back. Um, a lot of reliance on athleticism to get back into defensive positions. Um, other ones, they're, they're hit and miss. Obviously, maybe Dom knows those squads a bit better um, from the chances of those smaller, smaller market areas than myself. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Dom, so you can give a bit of analysis on those other ones. 
uh, it's uh, it's purely because of my time that I had to put up with Villa in the championship that I'm somewhat <laughs> acquainted with these squads. So trust me, it's not it's not by choice, that's for sure. Um, but uh, I do know them, obviously, you know, that they're playing FIFA uh, for tragically too many hours. Also, uh, it gives me the luxury of kind of knowing who these players are. For me, though, the signing actually comes from outside of the UK. I would really like to see them have a, a, a punt at Bubaka Traore from uh, FC Mets. He'd come on. He'd come on on a on a low fee. He's young. He was born, you know, this side of two thousand, um, which is uh, pretty uh, in, uh, painful to say as as I as I get older. Um, you know, had only scored one goal last season in in twenty seven matches in FC Mets' uh, return to the uh, the league one. But I reckon he's a he's a go. He's a he's a genuine talent. Potentially. Um, he could be that person to provide them maybe that that spark, perhaps. You know, he's young, he's exciting, he's coming from overseas. You know, this squad, um, which is good to see in some respects, is just very British. You know, you look at all the other squads in the Premier League, there's not as many British players in their squads as there is in this squad. They just need a kind of a bit of European flair in there somewhere. I know they do have it, but like one that's maybe a bit more exciting than what they have currently. Well, let's move on to the next team in line. Uh, Dom, do I do I get to have the same freedom? Or being anchor, I'm not allowed to run off the rails on this one because it you is. You know Dumb what, Caruso? Let, let's quickly swap uh, roles here. Uh, coming in yeah. uh, next alphabetically, we have uh, the team from uh, uh, the lower parts of the English Isles. It is, of course, Southampton. The Saints, managed by Ralph Hasenhutl. We have a diehard, tragic Southampton fan in the midst with us tonight in Anthony the Ball Caruso. So, Bull. The floor is yours. Oh, thank you very much, Dom. Too kind. Uh, first off, as we all know, you cannot hassle the hoodle. He has he has overachieved to certain extents with this squad at points where they did not deserve. Um, they didn't do that as well last year, finishing in 15. Uh, but it has to be said that there were teams that thought Southampton were going to get uh, relegated last year, and they did well to avoid it. A couple of surprising changes to Stalwarts of the club have now left Fraser Foster on a free to Tottenham, Shane Long on a free to Reading, of course, the record holder for the fastest goal in Premier League history. I have been very impressed from their transfer business, picking up Gavin Bazunu from Manchester City, Romeo Lavia from Manchester City, both in the under-23s, Amel Belakocha from Bosham. You know, these are good young players here, and they are going to have a, quite a young team that they're going, to be, they're going to be trotting out. I don't see them doing too much more business. I think they're going to be where they went to, where they want to be. Tino Livermento was absolutely brilliant, brilliant last year when he wasn't injured. Armando Broja made a name for himself on loan from Chelsea. This is a team, I think the club is now finally comfortable with the fact that they are now officially a selling club. And they're going to money mean now? You always through. were. Hmm. No, there was a period where we were. There was that ambition. is true. There was those two years with Pele, Mane, Tadic, where the you streets, were. The streets will never forget that squad. That yeah. was, oh, that was squad a brilliant. Together. That was a brilliant squad under Ronald Koeman. That um, we had no right to have that. 
But this is a, this is now Southampton finally accepting that they are a selling. I forget uh, Ronald Koeman was the manager then. Mm. Yeah, he played such great football. Why did he then go and be such a bad coach after that? When he got a good squads, when he got good, I just, that's that's a mystery. <laughs> that's that is a real, that's a podcast in itself. Why did he go? Why did he get worse? <laughs> I, I, and I could I put it to you that he start he probably started the right at Everton. Because that he left after two years because Everton offered a bucket load of cash as compensation for having signed Kerman while he was still on contract at Southampton. Mm. So this is this is where I think the, the right and evidence started. Look, for mind, I think it's it's a, it's a squad that's going to stay in the Premier League. They're not going to move too far. I'm going to tip them at 14th. Uh, and there are, there are a couple of reasons why I think they're going to stay there. First off, James Ward-Prowse, despite being a midfield, despite sitting in midfield, will net you 10 to 15 goals because he is the best dead ball taker in the Premier League. No questions asked about that. The other one is the man that gives them grunt in midfield. I love him to bits. It's Oriol Romeu. He is the guy that is just going to run and run and run and make those big tackles from midfield when you least expect him to. He's an excellent source in terms of a defensive ability for Southampton. He's been a stalwart in that team too. Underrated player in his position as well. Uh, looking at this squad, I mean, it's got some decent uh, quality in it still. Obviously, Che Adams, James Ward-Prowse, Oriol Romeo, uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, you know, uh, excellent uh, players in their own right. Uh, Tino Liveramento, big signing. Obviously, they would love to get Armando Broja back. Um, maybe that'd be on a permanent or a uh, or another loan. I'm probably gonna have to go permanent because I reckon there's other clubs uh, sniffing around uh, that particular um, <laughs> signature. The big question for Southampton this year is: is you need a striker? That, that you, all you have up front is Adam Armstrong. And he just isn't Premier League quality. He's not standard. Premier League material. Uh, he just isn't. Like, he got his chance last year. Maybe I'll give him another season, but he, he needs to have a good year and fast. I think Southampton need another alternative because realistically, you don't have any other alternative apart from maybe some juniors. Yeah. I'm looking here. You've got a guy named, uh, I suppose you've got Che Adams, but he kind of plays that 10 role. And then you got another guy. Oh, you got Shane Long, the aging Shane Long, obviously. Well, he's and gone. then another guy I see here is uh, Dan uh, Nulundalu, who I've never heard of. So where's your, where's your goals coming from? That's the question. You can't rely on a James Water Prowse free kick every every week. No, absolutely. And I think they're going to be lucky in that number nine. I see them finishing 14th. Uh, you've said 15th, Luke said 12th, so I think we're there or thereabouts when yeah. it comes to Southampton. Definitely in that mid-table. They've just got to not leap goals, realistically. If they're not going to score many, they can't concede many. Um, and like you said, they can't rely on James Ward-Prowse scoring for them every week. Armstrong must be double figures. Um, otherwise, for me, I've got them 12th, but uh, that was optimistic just because I do have a love for Southampton, because they fed a lot of good players into my beloved Liverpool. So. They did indeed. They did indeed. We then move on to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I've tipped them to finish third. Luke, you've tipped them to finish third. But then I come Tom Rizzuto. <laughs> and this is the third time. This is the third time, and probably the biggest one in terms of this preview, where I've had to turn to you, Dom, and go, explain yourself. 
And I'm going to leave it to you to say why I'm saying that in particular. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, you know what? I'm just going to come out with it. Spurs are winning the Premier League this year. What? I'm saying it. What? There you go. What? Spurs are winning the Premier League this year. Number one. Oh, oh my God. Whew. And I'll tell you why. Whoa, I'll tell you what? why. <laughs> Two words. Antonio Conte. Their summer window has been the best it's been in a long, long time. Probably the best so far out of any of the teams in the Premier League in terms of who they've bought and the depth that they've gone uh, gone into. Uh, they haven't looked to buy a new star. They've looked to strengthen the squad. Uh, and I have this feeling that they've, They've weathered the storm of the Harry Kane saga, him and him wanting to go to Manchester City. He now can't go anywhere other than stay at Spurs, so he's going to be focused on that now, which they didn't have at the start of the season last year. He clearly didn't want to be there. Now I think he's just going to have to put up with it. Song Hoon Min, I think, will go to another level this year. They've brought in Richarlison. They've got Ivan Perisic, who's jumped in. Yusuf Basuma comes in, and along with a few other players, um, just to mention a few and maybe some more that may join them uh, eventually. And I just have this sense that Antonio Conte is going to do that one-season wonder trick like he did with Chelsea. To, to add on to that, they've brought in some defensive recruitments in Clement Lenglet from Barcelona. Jed Spence comes into a Middlesbrough um, who had who helped who he was on he was on loan at Nottingham and he helped them get promoted last season so he's meant to be a good young gun there coming in at at, at centre half. Uh, I just think they've got the formula to maybe have a miracle season and I think Conte's the man and the way that he's got he's got full reins of the squad this year and I think he's going to burn the hell out of them for this one year, and they're going to run around for him and play insane football just to win that one season, and then next year they'll all get tired and they'll want to go chase big money, and then they'll all leave, and then Spurs will be bad again. But I think this is the year. If anyone's if they're going to win it, this is the year. Okay, Luke. so I, 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 I hear everything you're saying. I, I love what you're saying about Conte, but are you crazy, man? Are you, are you crazy? <laughs> yes. A little bit. A little, I'm sick of Liverpool and Manchester City winning it. If legitimately I them, Tottenham it. Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur, you were saying, to win the Premier League. I've picked the winner of the Premier League for the last five, uh, well, apart from Leicester. Since then, I've picked the winner every year, and I, I'm on the money. I'm on the money, and I'm going with Spurs as the upset. Track record, good. But this is Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps I'm getting a little overconfident. But... Put, put it, putting all that aside... Like you said, goals galore. Depth, fabulous. Defensive signings, excellent. Coach, he's going to run him into the ground. He's got him running laps. You've got videos on Twitter and Facebook and every sports analyst show makes seeing four, five, six sessions a day. He's known for that. He's going to have no holds barred. He's going to be able to manage every play. It doesn't matter if it's Kane. doesn't matter if it's another big name. He's going to be able to to quell their ego. Um, and I, I do like what they did actually last season, probably more in the transfer market with uh, Kulisevsky coming in and um, Bentancourt. That was really, really yeah, smart massive business. massive signings. Just, just smart signings where they needed it, people that other clubs weren't looking for. Um, they've lost Bergwijn this year, but they replaced him straight up with Richarlison, which is superb for them. They've got the depth. $58 million for a rotation player, though. I'm a bit worried about that. But if they're willing to spend that kind of money just to get the depth, totally fine with it from a Spurs perspective. 
But I think the depth first... is well uh, useful because with, with Richarlison because he can play in the nine as well. So if yeah. Kane is injured, you can slot him in at nine. So I guess he can play anywhere across that front three. Midfield uh, for yourself to win this uh, title, uh, who, who have you got in that midfield? Well, you have Pierre-Emile Hoiberg in the middle, um, uh, probably alongside uh, in maybe not maybe not Eric Dyer or Harry Winks perhaps this year, probably yeah. alongside Rodrigo Bentecourt, would who is what I'd have. That Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Spurs is interesting because I like to play a four-two-three-one with these guys, so I like to have you know Bentecourt and Hoiberg in that holding midfield role, and then across the that front line you got. Son Huming on the left, probably um, Kulisewski on the right, the way he finished the season last year. Uh, then in that 10-roll, you could probably have a, a Richarlison slot in there just behind Harry Kane and maybe play the two of them up the top together. That's maybe how I'd have them playing. Or you'd have probably uh, Juvez Basuma line up against uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Maybe you'd then have Bentecourt behind Kane and Kulisewski on the right and... Song you Min on the left. I mean, they've got two, three left wingers now, so don't know how you fit them all in. But Lucas that's Moore where getting I have... any chances in there? Is Who, sorry? Coming... Lucas Moore, are you getting any chances coming back in? Uh, I think he's an excellent, rotational player? excellent rotational right wing player. Yep. That, that, he had his best season when he was that player in that Champions League like final Champions appearance. League run, yeah. It was electric. <laughs> yeah, but off the bench. He wasn't starting. Yeah, yeah. But that's very, they've, they've got a very good starting eleven. Um, and that depth coming in, I see, I see the potential. But third for me, third for me is probably as high as I can realistically put them. Let's let's keep going because we do have a couple of teams left, which is going to make things interesting here. Next up is one another one of the surprise packets from last year, and a man who has done more to restore his reputation as a solid manager. It is West Ham United, Luke under David Moyes. Yes, exceptional. No one saw it coming except a few. It started off very well. It was pretty much predominantly the start of the season. Antonio, superb with his goal-scoring feats at the start of the season. Um, they had some good cup runs as well. Uh, they brought in a few players that, you know, solidified some of the positions they needed last season. Um, and they've just got a massive midfield. Like, they are strong bodies in there, hard to break down. They're just strong all over the park, uh, realistically. Uh, Suchek, if he can get back to the form of two years ago, I know last year was quite a good season, but two years ago was scintillating. Um, Declan Rice in there as well, just solidifying that midfield. And again, Antonio, I've got him tipped for maybe 15 goals this season in the league itself, but I do have West Ham moving down overall. Seventh last year, 10th this year, because I just don't see every player performing to that high level again to uh, keep them in that high, high end because I've got other teams improving and overtaking the quality of West Ham. And the one thing that I found really interesting with this as well, Dom, is that their big form turn um, was off the back of them picking up Jesse Lingard online from Manchester United. He had an absolute blinder last year, and I'm surprised West Ham didn't sign him permanently. I think they tried to, but it was just a bit difficult. And maybe Lingard thought that, and you know, I think a Manchester born and bred player thought perhaps his form for West Ham would have at least warranted a chance back in that 
um, United lineup when he returned, but obviously didn't turn out that way, unfortunately. But one thing I have with Manchester, sorry, with West Ham this year is they haven't really refreshed the squad. Now, for a squad that's that's nice and solid and gelling together nicely, you'd think that's okay. But I'm starting to think maybe teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. And without that change, they might become a little bit stale. you got to remember only a bit like Villa, where they played that match together on the last day of the season. They both were on the verge of relegation. And then they survived and they managed to turn their fortunes around with the investments and have both gone up the ladder significantly. But where Villa have updated the squad, West Ham haven't. And whilst Villa have made improvements in that part, West Ham went down on that year. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where they finish. Um, I have concerns with their creativity. Whilst they have it, Mamo Lanzini, Said Ben Rama, uh, Pablo Fornals, they haven't been able to really sit on like a team, like a consistent team. And I think that sometimes costs them a little bit. A lot of it, again, will depend on the fitness of Mikhail Antonio. He was injured throughout last year, and that's when they started dropping matches and, and not picking up results. He's a massive weapon for them up front. But, yeah, I'd like to see a bit of – I don't know. I'd like them to kind of maybe break the bank on someone, maybe another striker um, or uh, uh, another 10, you know, a consistent 10 who can go toe-to-toe with a Lanzini or four nows or outside Ben Rama. Or I'd like to see all uh, all three of them maybe step up a little bit more um, in particular. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. I don't know if they will be able to. Jared Bowen will be solid for them again as well. They'll want him to try and go to the next level. But I just, yeah, I just have this feeling that the squad may be stale so much, but perhaps it's been used and it's been experienced. So, teams might be aware of it coming to this new season and be more prepared for them to be a top performing team rather than kind of maybe go in with a bit of complacency that they might have had previously. With that, we've got one team left to discuss. It is uh, Porto. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, <laughs> the, this, yeah. The, Just quietly yeah. before we get into to Wolverhampton Wanderers and their relationship with Portugal, how funny both Newcastle and Portugal's away kits are pretty much the national team kits for both Saudi Arabia and Portugal. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. It's that is, that so is so funny. Oh, it is. It is. It reminds me of that meme, the meme that someone produced on the uh, football football related Simpsons memes when um, Nuno Espirito Santo finds another talent to 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 pick out of Portugal. Help! Help! The wolves are after me. <laughs> I said, said, I reckon the outside of Wolverhampton, they're all speaking Portuguese right now. I reckon, so it's just it's, it's just become a running joke right now. That they, they, they managed to stabilise around tenth place. We used to, we used to seeing them under Nuno Espirito Santo finishing seventh every year. They had a drop back. They got back up. They've stabilised now about tenth place. A lot of it is going to be based around how well they they hold on to some of their players, and they've got some big names in this in this lineup here. But Dom, how long can they hang on to this team for? Well, they've seemed to have done all right at the moment. I mean, I I felt for all money that Bruno Lage was going to lose Ruben Neves this year, but his rumored move to United still hasn't happened. He deserves a, a shot at a Champions League team, Ruben Neves. They would love. I mean. 
Wolves' position on the Premier League ladder dropped as soon as Raul Jimenez almost died on a football pitch um, with his with his head clash. It was so great to see him back because he is world class. Raul Jimenez, uh, the Mexican forward, he is uh, their main man, uh, and they've got some unbelievable talents. Like Daniel Podence is really strong. Um, they've now brought in, you know, really Bolly. They've got Fabio Silva, who should eventually replace Raul Jimenez. Ruben Neves. They have uh, Jamatinho, Leander Dendonka, and Armitra Traore. They've got some solid players. Max Kilman is going to be a, an English um, international eventually. They've got some serious uh, quality in the squad. It's just a matter, I think, of like maybe investing in it a little bit more, maybe also spending maybe a bit of patience on the likes of Daniel Podence and Pedro Neto to sort of come of age a little bit more. And again, Jose Saar, what a fine last year that was when they replaced uh, Rui Patricio um, in goals. They've got all the makings of having a really good squad, and they've brought in Nathan Collins as well, which is a big signing uh, for this season for them at the back uh, to probably partner alongside Connor Cody. Where do they need to go? They probably need to, as I mentioned, get some of those players that they've gotten there who are really solid to just maybe go to the you know the next level. This is an interesting one here, Luke, because this is a team that if they have their gun squad on, they can beat anyone in the competition. But we saw last year when injuries to key players really hurt them. And now with players sniffing around Ruben Neves, you, know, you just wonder how much longer Wolves have got left running at how they are. Well, Dom said it absolutely correctly. Their season and their oomph going forward fell to pieces when Jimenez went down with that horrible injury to his head. Hopefully he can get back to some kind of impact on the game. Not that he wasn't impactful when he's come back last year, but impactful in the, t- in the terms of his scoring or contributing to a scoring opportunity or goal almost every game. It might come down to the mentality of some players, uh, to be honest. We've alluded to Neves leaving the club. We don't know how they've held on to him. Maybe it's just because he wants to be in that comfortable environment with his Portuguese companions and counterparts. But when is his mind going to slip and say, hey, I'm, I'm not that he would be sick of it, but I'm kind of tired of being the leader of this squad and continuously finishing mid-table and we're playing good, but we're still losing games or we're having to really, really dig deep um, against other clubs above us just to get a draw. And maybe that's some of that will rub off on the younger players. Neto, Potence, uh, will they, will they have the same kind of mental battle of, are we doing enough? How can we improve here? And it just might bring them down a little bit to a point where they might not perform as well. But on the upside, as you said, Anthony, they can beat anyone on their day. If everyone's clicking and running with pace, they've got trickery galore showed it immensely in every game they've played over the time they have played. And with that, they could finish as high as, let's say, eight is probably the best bet they could do. Maybe seventh, as they have done in the past, if everyone's absolutely clicking. I don't have them really changing that much. I've got them 11th, I believe, just because I can't see how their squad is going to be any different from last year uh, in terms of what they have, what they've brought in, uh, which $24 million for Nathan Collins. And as 16.7 million for Huang He Chan, great signings, but a lot of money to not really take the take the squad to that next level. So I'm I'm sticking with just exactly the same 11th this year. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, after all that, after two hours of podcast, we have now come down to our final runnings for the Premier League. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have locked in at this point is the followings from our predictions. Relegation, two teams that we are all predicting are going down will be Fulham and Leeds, and then the third team, one of either Bournemouth or Nottingham Forest. For the Champions League, we are tipping Manchester City, Liverpool, and Tottenham as locks, and then one of either Chelsea, Arsenal, or Manchester United, and then for the Europa League, two of either Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, and then the Smokies to get into that last position for Europa, Newcastle United or Aston Villa. Ladies and gentlemen, there are 38 rounds to go through this competition and extended season because of the World Cup. But it's all going to come down to that same time period, April, May, where it all comes to fruition. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters. My thanks over these two hours. First off, to Dom Rizzuto, and we hope to have you back again soon because we'll be talking in the near future the wrap-up of the New South Wales men's NPL. Yeah, looking forward to it, Caruso. Football is uh, where my uh, heart belongs, and there's uh, plenty to talk about because, of course, as you just mentioned, there's probably a World Cup to preview in the near months as well. There absolutely is. Luke Scarley, thank you so much for joining us. And I think you're gonna I could see you joining our show on a more regular basis at this rate. I'll be happy to do so, uh, Anthony. Uh, always gonna be talking football, whether it's to you guys, to myself, to just randoms I meet on the street. Everything comes down to football, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's local league, whether it's grassroots league, I'm always there for it and I love it. Dom, I think we're gonna have to sign him. What do you think? Oh, I'm always happy to sign another football brain on board. Oh, let's, let's, let's see if we can... We've got to add those zeros on, mate. Add those zeros onto that contract. <laughs> Luke Scully to Triple H FM confirmed at this point. <laughs> zero dollars and zero zero seven. With that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full-time here on Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com www.triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarley, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.